Oh, that's incredible. That was my son yelling. He is going to stay as long as he can in here. But hello. Good morning, everyone. I realize there are few people I do not know, and which means you don't know anything about me. So I figured it would be good to bring you into my life, introduce who I am, let you know about my, my wife and our son, and then we'll get into the message. But uh, Adriana, which you probably can't see, she's my wife, we've been married nine and a half years. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise God. Um, nine and a half years, we both grew up in different parts of Africa, but we met in Nashville, Tennessee. Music is a big part of just what we love to do. We thought music is what we were going to pursue when we moved out to L.A. five and a half years ago. And we found Oasis Church. We fell in love with the community, and we've been here ever since. And the music, God told us to lay down when we got here. And so that's been laid down. And we still do music for fun on the side, but um, we'll see what God resurrects sometime. But that's a little bit about us. And I wanted to share a proud dad moment with you guys. So my son, as you, as you just heard, is very vocal. And he started doing something when we'd pray with him at night. And he'd look at Anna, and he'd look back at me, and realized our eyes were closed and wanted our attention. And then he started doing this. So let's play this video. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. I pray that you can help him to sleep well tonight. And he be protected from all sickness and diseases. And watch over him. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm proud of that. I am proud. Humor is something that we love in our family. And... When he started doing that, it was the hardest thing to not laugh. Um, but that's a little bit about our family. And welcome, if I've never met you, welcome to Oasis. Welcome to this community. Welcome to this family. Um, it was a little cold outside, but today we are going to be talking about fire. Say fire. All right, that's fire. Good job. We're going to be reading from everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. Hey, Leviticus doesn't get a lot of love. But Leviticus, um, if you might know this, you might not know this, but a lot of books of the Bible, when they were written, didn't have chapters or verses. They were added later on, thank goodness. But this is one of those, we'll, we'll read the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10 because it connects the story of what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to jump right into Leviticus 9:22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, also known as a tabernacle. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. And fire came out before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized, another version says strange, fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Wow. This is a... a Crazy turn of events. This was the first day on the job for Aaron and his sons. And we'll get into that in a, in a moment. But they were priests. 
And depending on where you grew up, what church you've been a part of, your, your biblical theology, what you've heard on the news, we might all have a different definition of what a priest is. So I wanted to clarify what a priest is in the Old Testament. Simply enough, a priest was a representative, a representative from man to God and God to man. The second thing I want to just clarify is what is the tabernacle? What was the tent of meeting? What was kind of important about it? I have this really high-end graphic I made for you guys. It's, there's three parts I want to show you. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. On the outer court, the brazen altar, that's where Aaron is making all of his sacrifices. This is where his sons are. This is where all of Israel can see and that is the place that God lights the offering with fire. So everybody can see that. The inner court is where um, Aaron and Moses went in. And then the Holy of Holies was the place that could only be accessed once a year by a high priest. And there were all these regulations to be able to enter it. They could not even sweat. You could not sweat in the presence of God. There's these restrictions. Um, but that is the Holy of Holies. You can take down my great graphic. And if anybody wants to pay for that afterwards, I can sell it to you. No problem. Um, so that's kind of the, the outer court, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. We'll kind of talk about that. But I want you guys to visually see what was going on here. So that's um, kind of a little bit of insight. But let's talk about the story of what's happening here. So you have Aaron and you have his sons. You have Moses. This was really a commissioning service for Aaron and his sons. They were being um, set up as priests. Aaron was the high priest. And Aaron had four sons. And so a huge commissioning service in front of all of Israel. And you have to catch something uh, of what's going on here. So they're being commissioned. God lights the, the altar on fire. The entire, um, all of the Israelites bow down in reverence, puts their face on the ground. The, the highest point of worship you can give. That was what they were doing. It turned into a worship service. But the whole moment this is all going on, when Aaron is sacrificing the animals, his sons are right there. And when the, the fire struck the altar, his sons are right there. And when everyone bowed down, say it with me, his sons are right there. They were getting to see what it looks like to be worshipped. I'm going to pause there for a second. When they got to see everybody look at them, it reminded me of something. Because it said in the Bible that they offered strange fire. And I just wonder if in this moment they wanted to be praised. Now in the Bible it says that the devil fell from heaven. Which by the way, I've been married nine and a half years. There is a really wonderful pickup line that I tried on my wife this past few weeks. And I have to share it with you just in case anyone's looking for a good pickup line. I said, baby, are you hurt? And she said, no. This seriously happened two weeks ago. And I was like, are you sure? And she picked up I was doing something. She's like, what do you want? And I said, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? And she immediately said, what you trying to say? <laughs> She's like, only one person fell from heaven, and that's the devil. And so this is what I did. I backed up, thought for a second. I was like, all right, I'll just give you a ticket. She's like, a ticket? I was like, because you're fine. That's where I ended. Now, I've been married nine and a half years. Even though the pickup lines don't work, obviously she married me for something. It must not be my pickup lines, but if you got any, please share them with me. I need them. So the devil got thrown out of heaven. Why? Well, he wanted to be like God. There's pride that entered his heart. And when we start to allow pride to enter 
the heart, I wonder if that's what became of the strange fire. The Bible doesn't actually say what was strange about the fire except this. It was not offered the, the, the way God wanted it. Man was created to worship God, but man was not created to be worshiped. The Bible says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So it's possible to build a, praise, uh, a throne built based on praise. When we accept praise that was meant for God, we're building ourselves a throne to sit on. And how do you think God responds to a counterfeit throne? Especially one that was built based on the praises for him. The praise that we sit on, if we let the pressure of the praise or the thoughts of what people think, that can quickly help us try and do strange fire. Now, they got to see everybody worshiping. They got to see the sacrifice. And it says they offered strange fire. And when you do something to prove yourself or you do something to in spite, regardless of the motive, if it's not the way God wants it, it's strange fire. And God doesn't accept that. Nowadays, God doesn't have to consume us with fire. We just burn ourselves out. And the definition of burnout is a failure to keep something burning. Thank you very much. God didn't just burn out an individual, though. He burned out two sons. Who you are around matters. There were four sons. Two of them got burnt up. Meaning, this just wasn't a solo job. There was conversation. There was a heart thing going on. And when you surround yourself with people that have God's fire, then you get to be in God's way. But when you try and fight fire with fire, if your fire is not the way God had fire, if you try and fight God's fire with your fire, that's a good firefight not to be in. And these sons brought their own fire. And it's important that who you have around you had, has God's fire in it. Yes, we are supposed to go out into all the world. But that does not mean you don't surround yourself with God's fire. People that have God's fire in them. When you want relationship advice, go to someone with God's fire. Not somebody that has fire that looks like the fire. That smells like the fire. That hopefully not tastes like the fire. But that they have God's fire in them. Because it's God's fire. When it's God's fire, remember, the priests lit, or the priests were, were sacrificing the animals, and God lit that fire. God lit it. They were supposed to take God's fire from the front altar into the presence. When it's not God's fire that's being started, when you start your own fire, you're going to burn out. But when it's started by God, God will finish what he started. So let's talk about this fire, this strange fire. The Bible, again, doesn't exactly say what was strange about it, what was unauthorized about it. But we know that it was rejected because it was not from the way God wanted it. And I had this thought, you can counterfeit God. You can't counterfeit God's throne and you can't counterfeit God's fire. And it's really easy, depending on what you're doing, to make something look like it is. But God looks at the heart. It says he looks at the heart. He knows the motives. So you might be able to produce a fire, but if the business started without God's fire, you're going to have to finish the business that you started your way. When you start something your way, when, we, when you start a relationship your way and it's not God's fire, 
Where's God in that? And that's why it's important to start the fire, God's fire, God's way. The Bible says in Isaiah that God's word accomplishes all that it wants to. So think about that. God's word, God's fire. Let's start with that, God's fire. You start a business God's way, God's fire. What that verse just says is that's going to accomplish every single thing God wants it to. Every single thing. You start a relationship with God's fire, every single thing that that relationship is supposed to accomplish, it will. If you want your finances to be God's fire, God's way, then everything those finances are supposed to accomplish, it will. And not only that, it says that everywhere the word goes, it will prosper. Prosper. Everything that God wants to do through that relationship, through those finances, through that even creativity, everything that starts with God's fire, God's way, will, will end with God. When it starts with God, it ends with God. And I, I wonder if sometimes we confuse God's fire with his favor. Sometimes that we're living in God's favor. If we're breathing, do you guys know that we're living in God's favor? You don't have to know God to live in his favor. The Bible says that there is, we are without excuse to at least recognize there is a God. When you go outside and you see the mountains or you see the stars, it, the Bible says that we are without excuse to acknowledge that there is a God. But sometimes we live in so much of God's favor that we choose not to choose his fire. And that's the piece I want to talk about is what it does it look like to have that fire burning inside. The fire that God lights. Not the fire that we choose to have ourselves. But the fire that God chooses. And you might be asking the question, so what is the benefit? So we've talked a lot about why not to do it. But what is the benefit of choosing it that way? What is the reason to pursue God's fire? What was the reason priests had to become holy? What was the reason they had to, to live a certain way? Well, I'll ask you guys a, a question. Generally speaking, where was the, ta the tabernacle? Anyone? In the desert. And where was God taking them? The promised land, flowing with milk and honey, a land full of resources, riches, abundance. God did this with Adam and Eve. He created a place for them to survive in, to thrive in. And he's doing this with the Israelites. He created a promised land for them to live with, flowing with milk and honey, riches, and all that they could want in there. And the same thing is true for you and I. God has created a place for us to go but the reason why he wants us to do it his way is because he's preparing for us to be able to live there. What would it have been like if the Israelites weren't ready to go into that town? God, in fact, God withheld a whole generation because they weren't ready. He sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan. Two came back and said we were good to go, and 10 said they didn't, weren't good to go. And those 10 convinced the rest of Israel they should not go. So what God said is like, fine, I'll skip a whole generation because you're doing it your way. You're thinking about it your way. But when you have God's fire, you look at that land and say, yeah, we can do it. Because I got God's fire in me. I got it in my soul. That promised land is mine. Why? Because God said so. And there's so many things that God's fire will change about our way of thinking and how we do things. How you guys feeling? Good? Okay. If you're feeling dry or you're feeling, what's the word? Parched? Is that the right word? I always mess up my words. Thanks. Uh, that's the perfect place to start a fire. Do you use wet wood or dry wood to start a fire? Use the dry wood. So depending on where you're at, God is saying, I can start that fire. But the greatest thing about 
all this story is that it was a foreshadow for what God was going to do. So in, in the book of Acts, it talks about this. Jesus became that perfect sacrifice. So priests no longer had to sacrifice an animal for us. Jesus became that perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. The Holy Spirit then came in tongues of fire. And we, the Bible says, me and you became the temple. The same tabernacle that was in the Old Testament, we became the temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. But I want you to catch this. The first act that the Holy Spirit did was language. I thought it would have been healing. If you would ask me what the Holy Spirit's going to do, he's going to come and he's going to heal everyone because we all have a need. But the healing that the Holy Spirit brought was a language. It says that all these ordinary people up in one room, it doesn't even say they were praying together. It just says that they were together in a room. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them in tongues of fire. And it gave them a language and a tongue that people outside of the room could hear. That people outside of the room could understand. And if the heart of the Father was for, for them to have a language for men to understand each other, that is still the language of God today. And one thing that you can look at to say, do I have the fire of God? Is there's always going to be unity. Unity is a part of everything that God does. Yes, God blesses you, but God is always trying to bless through you. Those men in the upper room bless the men outside of the room. And that's what happens when God moves through you. You will be blessed here, but it's a through you where now the people you work with are truly blessed. And another thing you'll realize is that pursuit of holiness I, I briefly touched on. Sometimes we think about holy people and we get annoyed or we don't invite them to things because uh, they don't live the way we do or they have these regulations. The thing about holiness that gets misunderstood is that holiness is actually attractive. You want to be around holy, holiness. Jesus was the most holy person that walked his face on the face of this earth. And do you know what he did? He had meals with everybody. He wanted people to be around him because he recognized his fire was God's fire. The fire that was in him, he was like, come around me. Come have a lunch with me. Come have a coffee with me. Come have a dinner with me. And that's what it's like when we have God's fire inside of us. We are no longer concerned with defiling ourselves. We're concerned with the fire hitting them. And Stephen, in the, Old, in the New Testament, it said he was full of the Holy Spirit. And what was so evident that he did have God's fire on the inside of him is he was getting stoned by Pharisees, people that probably knew the Bible better than him. But it didn't matter. Information didn't matter. It mattered about the heart. And here he is getting stoned. People are throwing stones at him to kill him. And it says that he sees a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. But catch this. The last thing he's credited saying is, Father, don't hold the sins against them. The people with stones in their hands. And he's saying, don't hold the sin against them. Why? Because when you have the fire of God inside of you, you're no longer concerned about the stones hitting you. You're more concerned about the grace hitting them. That is the fire of God. And that is the pursuit of, the, of what we have to go after. And I want to pray for two people. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. I want to pray for two people. Is The first is if, if you say... I, I recognize that. I want the fire, but I also, I need to know who this Jesus is. I want to pray for you. Because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a place for you. Heaven wants you there. 
And so um, there is no prayer in the Bible, but if you've never prayed, I want to lead you through one so you can see how simple it is to pray. Praying to God is just simply talking to God. The way I talk to God is like how I'm talking to you. It's simple. It's however you com, com, converse, conversate is not the word I know because my wife has corrected me on that. So I'm going to lead you guys through a prayer. And if that is you and you're saying, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I want all of Oasis to pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for taking away my sins. I believe you are Lord, and I believe you were raised from the dead. Take over my life. Amen. That's it. Let's, let's cheer for that. Let's cheer for that. And then the second group of people, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer, but I want to give a minute for you to talk to God. What fire have you started on your own that God needs to take over? The great thing about God is he is a redemptive God. Everything his word wants to accomplish will happen. I have learned, though, when, I, when I'm stepping in with God's fire, sometimes there's patience. The disciples had to wait for the Holy Spirit. I've had to wait for things. And a lot of times it's because I started stuff with my own fire. So there's a little bit of, of, of waiting. But what are the things? If it's a relationship, if it's, if it's a business, if it's, if it's creativity, if it's a song, God's in all of it. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about what, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about that you need to let God's fire take over. I want to give you guys a minute for that. So I'm going to start off the prayer, let you guys have a, a little bit to pray, and then we're going to go into worship. Hallelujah, Lord. May your fire consume us, God. May everything that you want to accomplish through us, may it be so. And we give you, give you everything to look at.